0: To good boys gone bland bonus episode I am your co-host Denali and it's just me today uh Ryan's still out uh over in Europe on his vacation I think this will be kind of one of our summer break closers um and we'll be we'll be back up and running pretty soon guys I promise we've got some old episodes in the tank that we already have recorded we got to get them edited and we'll get those out here pretty soon. But in the meantime, uh, we, we, there's, a, there's a big, vast silence in the GBGB's void. Um, we haven't had a lot of episodes out. And I thought, you know, we need to be out here feeding our little GBGB babies. Uh, and so I'm, I decided to take it upon myself to release my own bonus episode, because your boy hasn't gotten to do that yet. And so what I'm going to be doing is reviewing Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, the movie, Uh, which I hadn't seen before. I've been meaning to see it for a while. I just got a Paramount Plus subscription. Um, I got kind of like the the cheap, shitty option with the commercials. So I had to watch it with ads, which kind of distracted from the experience. So if my uh, review is not up to par, um, it's probably because of the ads. So this is my review of Sonic. I've never done a show where it's just me. So this will be interesting. I usually have the two other boys here to kind of help reel me in. Um, help kind of facilitate a structure, but it's just going to be me on stage, man. I'm just going to be like a saxophonist, and it's just going to be me freestyling the whole time uh, for who knows how long I'm going to be recording this. I'm currently in my closet. It's a 88 degree day in Los Angeles, so I'm extremely hot and extremely delirious, Um, but I got my notes here. I watched Sonic the Hedgehog, and uh, let's get into it. Let's, (laughs) Let's review Sonic the Hedgehog. I couldn't I mean, first of all, I couldn't imagine a future where we would be reviewing this anytime soon. I've been waiting uh, to kind of do this movie. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 looked super fun. Um, I grew up reading the comics of Sonic, but I never actually played the game. I never owned any Sega games. I never even owned a Nintendo. I was more of a PlayStation guy myself. Um, so this was this was something I kind of wanted to, to do because it just seemed like a movie that's totally up my alley. Like, I love the raw crazy 80d energy and i just like annoying movies so i thought this would be a good chance maybe if we do i don't know hedgehog movies in the future we can incorporate in an episode and have the, have us three uh, professionals do it all at once but in the meantime let's let's break things down so I know this movie had a lot of hype behind it. I mean, this the one of the big things that people kind of talked about was the reanimation aspect. Now, I don't want to go into it too much because this has been kind of like rehashed a million times, but there was a certain famous trailer that came out for this movie um, a couple years ago, and it had like this sonic animation that was very anthropomorphic. It looked very realistic. It had very, very realistic hair. The eyes were creepy as hell. It looked like some kind of fucked up taxidermy thing that came to life. And it had those weird, like, human teeth that everyone's been talking about. When I saw this, I think I had the same reaction that everyone else did, where it was kind of just this visceral rejection. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is that? And then the reaction was, I think, unprecedented for, like, an animation thing. Like, the vi- the reaction was so insanely violent that that paramount was like we're gonna pause this whole movie and we're gonna delay it like six months and redo the entire thing that's insane um they had to hire a new sonic they had to film around this dude again the the cast had a rebond but hats off to them for refilming all those scenes all in all, I heard it cost 35 million total to reanimate this movie. I think 5 million was just to get like the base animation and 30 just to like insert it in all the scenes, which is outrageous. And I think it kind of explains the crazy amount of product placement in this movie. Um, well, I'll kind of get into that in a little bit here, but there, there's just so much content flying at you, including product placement. And I think some of it is done tongue in cheek. Some of it is done with the recognition that Sonic should be kind of chaotic and throwing a lot of references at you in your face. So I think some aspects of it worked, but this was a big bankroll by Paramount, and I think it paid off big. Like, I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to see how much money this made because I I just know this made a metric shitload of money. Okay, I got it right here. The the budget is $90 million, (laughs) which is more than I thought. So they spent like a third of their budget uh, reshooting with this new Sonic they hired, and then the box office was like $320 million. Um, so yeah, they making some pretty big bank off this movie. So kind of going in, I wanted to kind of show off my Sonic credentials because a lot of people have reviewed this movie and you're like, why should I listen to one third of the GBGB's review this movie? Well, let me tell you. Okay. So one, like I said, I've never played a Sonic game. Two, I know almost nothing about the lore outside of like the comic book run I read when I was six and three, um... I don't. It just. It looked. It looked kind of cool. I don't know. I I like flashy colors and stuff, so I I thought that'd be fun to do. Um, But for those of you who are total Sonic newbies, I I do think I have some information to impart. So just to kind of give some background, like I know there was some big Sonic heads who've been waiting for this movie for like forty years. Um, Sonic is. uh, He's well. He's a blue boy, and he and he go fast. You know. So he 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 runs extremely fast, um, and he's a boy. And when you touch him, it does hurt. And he has really cool hair. And he kind of has this like, "Don't give a fuck" loose cannon attitude, which I think is is pretty cool. And a lot of people like it. It was it was uh it was kind of made as Sega's kind of like big play. They said uh, his design actually was inspired by Michael Jackson um, after his uh, 1987 album Bad. Kind of his like aesthetic and clothes and style, his special shoes that he wears. So, like, Sonic has a, a certain outfit that's very iconic. That it's an outfit that I'm surprised never really like took hold in the 80s and kind of moving forward. Like, his um, to describe how he looks, and like, I know some of you have never seen what Sonic looks like. So, let me just like paint a picture. So, he has like a tan belly that's covered in hair, and um, he is blue and he has these he's ears. And then um, no other clothes, but he does have these nice white gloves, kind of like Michael Jackson gloves. And I think that's kind of where the uh, you know, the influence comes from. But he's got them on both hands. and they're pretty big, they're pretty dang big gloves. It's kind of like the gloves you would wear like at kind of a fancy dining party or what you would kind of grab like a vinyl record with when you're taking it out of the case so you don't scratch it. Um, and then his shoes are like these cool red oval shoes. They don't look like they have a ton of heel support or like arch support at all. So I think that's also like another one of his powers is that he's kind of has like a really stable like gait and a good footage. So I think that's a pretty cool aspect about Sonic. So he just to reiterate, he just has gloves and shoes and that's his his outfit. And like one thing about his shoes is that they're very like they're completely ovular. And I don't know how that hasn't caught on, in kind of like our like sneakerhead hype beast kind of thing that we got going on right now. Like we got these big, chunky ass shoes that are like really popular right now. People are kind of like pushing the edge on what you can make a shoe look like. Why hasn't anyone done these big ass Egg Sonic shoes? Why hasn't anyone done that? I think it looks super cool, and it definitely looks cool in Sonic. Um, and in in the in the movie they kind of skimped on it just a little bit, like. They gave him these, like, Pumas that just look like regular running shoes, which I think was an act of sheer cowardice. And I think they could have really capitalized on some real-life Sonic shoes. And who knows? Maybe they did. Maybe they did make some Sonic shoes, and there was, like, a lot of injuries, and people were falling over, and they didn't want all that lawsuits and lose all their, their very good Sonic money, which I totally get. Um, but to kind of get back on subject... When when they were kind of thinking up Sonic, and this is this is in the Sega official literature. Okay, I found this on Wikipedia, but this is cited. He said his personality was based on a then presidential candidate and later president of the United States, Bill Clinton. <laughs> uh, Bill Clinton's get it done attitude uh, during the nineteen ninety two presidential campaign. That's kind of where Sonic's persona came from, and that's that's just kind of insane. Like I. When I'm trying to think about what Sonic sounds like, and for those of you who've never heard Sonic's voice or, um, you know, Ben Schwartz's voice, like, when you look at this dude, you're not thinking Bill Clinton. Like, you're not thinking, like, oh, hey, I'm Sonic. That's my best Bill Clinton. I'm sorry, guys. Like, there's, there's a lot better impressionist than I am. But that's that's kind of the vibe of, <laughs> of Sonic. I, I, I don't know, like, I know a little bit about Bill Clinton. Like, I was a tiny baby when he was president. But, like, I remember he kind of—he was kind of seen as, like, a cool dude back then. Like, he did play the saxophone on stage and Late Night. And um, maybe he did have this kind of, like, I don't give a fuck, but I'm going to get it done attitude um, that Sonic's inspired by. There must have been some other creative changes. But to kind of, like, keep going on this, like, the uh, Sonic is described—this is Sega's words— as a character who is, quote, "...like the wind, a drifter who lives as he wants and makes life a series of events and adventures." Sonic hates oppression and staunchly defends freedom. So Sonic is, is kind of like this uh, shady drifter type who kind of goes between towns and just kind of doesn't give a fuck and just kind of lives by his own, his own uh, volition. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of cool. I don't know if that's kind of like Bill Clinton-like, but maybe, maybe it is. So, so, so let's, let's also discuss Sonic's powers. Like I think that's also a good thing to kind of discuss here. Cause you're like, okay, this boy is blue, he dressed weird, and uh what's what's the movie about? Like why why do why should we care about this guy? Well, one, I don't think I mentioned this, he's also a hedgehog. And um hedgehogs usually don't wear anything at all. And they also don't talk. And Sonic does talk pretty good, and hedgehogs usually don't have this kind of like weird drifter mentality they're kind of like homebodies so this already makes them really abnormal so if you're already like kind of a hedgehog fan i think this will kind of like boink like perk your interest up a little bit like whoa what's this and so sonic he's uh he's like the fastest hedgehog in the world um actually he's 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 even faster than anything else i think Uh, so he's, he's he's the fastest creature in the world um no one I think there was, like, there, I, I was I was reading through Sonic fandom. I wanted to kind of get my facts straight because I always kind of, like, wondered about, like, why he's fast and no one else kind of in the Sonic universe really is. So Sonic kind of derives his power, I believe, from, like, a chaos emerald, and there's some kind of crazy-ass, like, emerald magic with some crystals and shit um, that kind of powers is super good power. But anyways, he go fast, and everyone wants a piece, man. Everyone wants a piece of his go-fast juice. Including uh, Dr. Eggman, who's kind of the main antagonist in the Sonic universe. And he, uh, he shows up in this movie um, and is portrayed by the great Jim Carrey in a very wet, very wild uh, portrayal. Dr. Eggman is also known as Dr. Robotnik. That confused the hell out of me. Um, I also watched, I remember Sonic X growing up. I don't know if anyone remembers like the series of Sonic shows that kind of came out in the nineties and the two thousands. Um, Sonic X was the one I think where they're all skaters, which was like, you know, if you had kind of a cartoon show with like a team, chances are they all fucking skateboard. And this was the Sonic version of that. So yeah, Dr. Robotnik is like a genius he looks really crazy uh, and weird. He he was actually modeled after um, a giant Teddy Roosevelt drawing that they did. They were trying to at this time Sega was kind of brainstorming a bunch of different flagship characters. They're like, who's going to be the face of our brand? And one of the leading candidates was actually a giant Teddy Roosevelt. And uh, they liked the design so much that they ended up keeping it when they did eventually settle on Sonic as the main, um, you know, as the main title. So he's a recurring boss, he's got a giant mustache, and he's a cybernetics genius. And uh, what he's trying to do is, is get a little piece of Sonic. You know, he could, be, he could be doing a lot of stuff. you got, like, this infinite energy source emanating out this dang hedgehog. But because he's, like, kind of a weird drifter libertarian type, he doesn't give a fuck about anybody else. Sonic just wants to keep it all to himself. Now, we could be, like, curing diseases. Maybe, maybe we can be harnessing some of Sonic's raw energy and, like, restarting hearts and, and you know, maybe creating clean energy for the planet. Um, but because Sonic is such a selfish little asshole, um, he's constantly running away. And Dr. Robotnik keeps having to make all these new crazy inventions and spending a lot of taxpayer dollars to get Sonic back. Anyways, uh, Sonic... His his uh his strengths. Let's let's go through his strengths real quick. So um we'll get to the movie. I just wanna I just wanna get a baseline for this dude. So his first his first strength is yeah I said he's fast. He can move so fast that he can actually like run up buildings and like run across water. So he's moving at that speed. I did do some research to see how fast he actually runs. Um and we're looking at a cruising speed of about 750 miles per hour. So that's that's pretty dang fast. It is cited in the sonic cannon that he can move as fast as the speed of light uh, when when he's, like, super powered up. I think he has to have, like, this super chaos emerald energy going on, and he can move 385,000 miles per second, which is the speed of light, I believe, roughly. Um, I don't think he can surpass it, but he has been known to kind of move faster than kind of everything in the universe. Um, It's kind of shown a bit in this movie, too, it's best when you're thinking about Sonic and thinking about his real-world applications to not think about things like, I don't know, like air displacement and friction, which, you know, is, is kind of comes to mind when you see some of these scenes where he's moving um, so, mu- so fast that bullets seem to stop, and he's just kind of shoving people and things out of the way. Sonic also has clothes in this movie that don't burn off. I think that was done for family reasons, um, but I guess families don't really care if gloves burn off. But that's, that's another thing to kind of think about in this movie. It's not a very scientific movie and not a very scientific franchise, but that's okay. That's okay. Dr. Robotnik didn't direct this movie. To get into Sonic's weaknesses, I think this is also kind of important to, to, to note, and this is on the official Sonic fandom website taken from Sega. Um, he is noted to not be the strongest swimmer. Sonic is incapable of swimming properly and sinks like a stone in water. And I think this is because if you look at Sonic, I mean... He's pretty cut. He's pretty shredded. There's not an ounce of fat on that body, okay? Like, he's got a real runner's build. Um, I think it's just solid muscle and maybe hair, and I don't think there's a buoyant part of his entire body. So there's that. And then, you know, I don't know his density or weight. Like, they said his, uh, his height is three and a half feet tall, but there's a scene in the movie where he rolls up into a ball and smashes through a tank. And I think you have to be pretty dang heavy to do something like that. So he must be like a pretty dense little hog. So um, that's, uh, that's another thing to kind of uh, that's kind of implied in the series. Now, that's one thing Sonic has to kind of uh, keep in mind. So he there is a couple scenes in the movie where he's running across water, and uh, I guess if he stops, he'll kind of sink and fall into the water. They said, uh, uh, in, in certain circumstances, should Sonic fall into the water, he may feel trapped with no one to get him out. I don't know if there was like an underwater level of Sonic. I feel like I see that in my head, but I'm, I'm not so sure. So uh, that's, that's one weakness to keep in mind is water. The other weakness that's very prominent in this article is that um, it has been stated that if Sonic does not sleep for eight hours during the night, it will spoil his running. In addition, he has trouble keeping his balance when coming to a sudden halt at running at high speed. So um, if he doesn't sleep enough, he it'll spoil his running. So he's not going to be as good of a runner. And honestly, Sonic, I feel you. Like, I feel like that's a weakness for a lot of us is if we don't get enough sleep for eight hours. It's a very important thing to do. Kind of refreshes your, you know, your brain and you, gets, you know, emotional consolidation. Your CSF fluid kind of resets your brain, gets you ready for the day. And, uh, you know, yeah, I feel pretty groggy and I feel like I can't run super good. You know, and this this kind of, like, makes me wonder, like, when I'm thinking about Sonic as just kind of a living being, I don't know, like, I feel like, why doesn't he try to get a little fatter? Um, I know he's burning, like, a shitload of calories, and, you know, it, it's, it's, they show him kind of eating pizza and kind of ripping brews and burgers and stuff. I mean, I feel like if he, like, kind of put on some buoyancy, he could really solve this problem. And he mo- if he can move literally the speed of light... I feel like maybe just putting on some mass wouldn't be, like, a super big deal for him. Um, but just, just a suggestion for sh- for Sonic, I don't want to, like, body shame and kind of suggest what he should do with his body. Like, it's totally up to him. Um, I'm just trying to think of practical workarounds in-universe. Um, but Sonic, if you're listening, dude, you do you. You look great. Um, I hope we see more movies out of you. So now we, we've... we I think, I think we've established a pretty good base layer here. I think the listeners... Um, now have a pretty good idea of who Sonic is, kind of what the background is and what my expertise is, and now we can get into the movie. So this mo- this movie uh, was directed by Jeff Fowler, who I've never heard of, and I'm, I'm going to look him up right now. So he's directed Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic 2 and uh, another movie called Gopher Broke from 2004, and it is about a gopher. <laughs> um, and... Uh, I'm reading the synopsis. It's a gopher finds himself on a road where trucks are hauling produce to a market. He hits on the idea of shaking some of the produce loose for himself, but other animals always beat him to the booty. And that's gopher broke. And that's the only thing, I mean, 2004. And he got a movie 16 years later. So I, I don't know, like, either gopher broke was so fucking good that someone watched it, like, 15 years after it came out and was like, oh, my God, we got to give him Sonic. Or um, it was so bad that he needed 15 years to recover from that um, until he could actually make a movie. (laughs) Um, But Jeff Fowler, it looks like this was his first uh, big feature film. Uh, Pretty good on Jeff um, because this did turn out pretty dang good. To kind of get over to the cast, we have Ben Schwartz, of Parks and Rec fame uh, of voicing Sonic which I think is an amazing casting. I mean animation aside, I think this dude brought a really fun energy like when I heard him talking there was not one moment where I was like, "Oh yeah, that's, you know, that's fucking what's his name?" like it was Sonic. Um I think this guy totally understood the he totally understood the assignment and did super well. Um Ben Schwartz is hilarious. He has a great comedy special with Thomas Middleditch called Middleditch and Schwartz on Netflix, where it's just the two of them doing stand-up improv comedy um, for for like an hour. Um, there's multiple episodes of it. It's amazing. If you ever want to see like a masterclass of improv outside of Good Boys Gone Bland, um, I think that would be a, a good choice. Actually, don't see it that way. You never find out what good improv is. Uh, so uh, the other the other casting is uh, James Marsden. Um, who plays this this cop named Tom. So James Marsden, like, if you don't recognize the name, you'll definitely recognize what this dude looks like. He's kind of just, like, generic handsome man for the last 20 years for, like, every movie you've seen. He's in so much shit. He was Cyclops from X-Men. He was in Enchanted. He was in Superman. He was in Hairspray. Also, uh, he was in uh, with the cowboy show Westworld, where he does play a robot cowboy and does a really good job. Um, he gave a fun role here. I think, I think he did a good job. What kind of blows me away is that, like, in my head, he's always, like, 30 years old. I think I've just—because I've seen him since 2000, since I was, like, a wee boy. Um, and he's, like—I think he's, he's coming up on, like, 50 years old now, and he looks the same. And it's insane. In this movie, I don't know if his vibe is supposed to be that of a 50-year-old. It kind of seems like he's supposed to be kind of like this young, not-yet-established uh, sheriff— uh, but it works. Honestly, he gives off a really fun vibe and has a fun back and forth with Sonic. Of course, I mentioned Jim Carrey plays Dr. Robotnik, allegedly in his last role. I think he said that he would be retiring after Sonic 2. That, that's going to be kind of his his, uh, his bookmark. It's, it's an interesting thing to go out on, but I think it's iconic. And all the little kids growing up, I think they're going to remember Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. So good choice there. Um, a couple other other people in kind of mo- more minor roles is uh, Tika Sumter, who I've never seen in another movie before, um, but she plays Maddie, who's um, kind of Sheriff Tom's wife. So that's that's Sonic's counterpart's wife. She actually plays a really fun role too, um, kind of, and they kind of loop her into the hijinks. There's uh, Lee Lee Majdoub, uh, who plays Agent Stone, who is like Doctor Robotnik's assistant, who <laughs> plays a, like a lot of really hilarious scenes between, between those two. Uh, but the cast is, is um, relatively small, I think. I think the cast in total is like six people. <laughs> There's like a bar fight that happens, and I think they just kind of like run off camera and run back on camera wearing like a new mustache. I think they kept the uh, cast budget pretty dang tight and, um, you know, for a good reason here. So the movie opens, and look, I don't know how how like in line with Sonic lore this is, but the movie opens with a very adorable baby Sonic running around in uh, in Sonic World, which I, I don't know the name, so I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, Sonic heads. But he's running around, and there's a lot of green stuff and loop-de-loops and grass uh, and the rings. Um, and by the way, there are rings in this movie. If you've played a Sonic game, you're familiar with like kind of the ring noises, like that. Bing, In this in this movie. The rings are are used as a a special plot device. Um, They're kind of used as portals between different dimensions. In the games themselves, the rings are kind of used as kind of a pseudo health meter. Like if you have any rings on you, if you get hit by an enemy, the rings basically keep you from dying right away. In this one, Sonic is given a bag of rings by his mentor, Longclaw, I think, who is an old owl, and she's like, listen, everybody wants your go fast up in here. I got this echidna army coming at me you need to take this bag of rings and kind of go to a safer world so you know they kind of throw one of the gold rings and it turns into a portal and sonic is able to go through that portal into our world so she's like this world is way safer which is not fucking true at all our world is a very dangerous place i have no idea what in the hell she was thinking um, this was also released in 2020, like a literal pandemic. Like, what the fuck? Why there was there was like a hundred worlds, um, anyways, um, she was like, Sonic, I've just been stabbed by an echidna. <laughs> Please just go through that ring. And baby Sonic is like, oh shit. okay. And so Sonic goes through and he has to lay low. It's actually like kind of a sad montage. He's living in our world. He, he chooses this place called Green Hills, which I think is somewhere in like rural western Washington in the PNW, and uh And he's just trying to survive. He has his own little cave full of like cool 90s shit where it's like boom boxes and video games. And he just kind of has fun by himself. Um, but the baby Sonic animation was adorable. And I actually really like the new Sonic Adam animation a lot. I think I could tell a little bit that it was a little rushed. There was, There's some portions where I'm like, okay, that's definitely CG. It kind of had this kind of Garfield effect. I don't know if y'all remember like the the Garfield movies from the 2000s and Garfield Tale of Two Kitties. There was just this weirdness whenever Garfield interacts with a physical person, like when they pick him up, it's like, whoa, that was weird. And I got a lot about a lot of that in this movie. But I thought his, his character was really cute. It was really fun to watch him on screen, and it wasn't horrifying at all, which is you're taking a big risk when you have an anthropomorphic animal with, like, white-gloved hands. Um, so anyway, Sonic hangs out around town and follows around Sheriff Tom. It's, he's, kind of, he's kind of taken a liking to James Marsden's character. He calls him the Donut Lord because he catches James Marsden kind of just sitting in his car, talking to himself to the donuts and eating them while he's on the job. And uh, we're introduced to James Marsden's character. He's just kind of sitting on his ass at a speed trap waiting for people to ticket. And then uh, Sonic runs up on him, is kind of messing with him. Um, You know, he's making his speed gun go really high and he's like, what's happening? And so once we kind of establish those interactions and kind of Sonic's lifestyle, we get to a point where Sonic is in a baseball field and there's a there's actually a pretty fun scene where he's playing all of the baseball members. I think this is a really good show of Ben Schwartz's charisma like off camera just using his voice where he's he's playing all of the baseball players and then Sonic has a moment where he's like holy shit, I'm so alone. And out of anguish, he starts running in circles in the baseball field cuz that's, you know what you do when you're you're kind of feeling feeling a little sad, you run in circles. And he runs so fast that he creates a fucking EMP and blacks out the entire PNW. This also, like, in the animation, it shows this big electricity explosion that also, like, takes out a satellite. And I'm like, okay, that could that hurt an astronaut? Like, is the ISS okay? Like, it was kind of a catastrophic thing. And the, and the military's like, okay, what the fuck was that? What's going on? And this is kind of what gets the plot going. Sonic's little outburst created a huge interest by the U.S. military to send in one of their best contractor-slash-agents, you know his name already, it's doctor Eggman. And the way they introduced doctor Eggman to is just kinda wild. They were like, Oh yeah, you ever hear about the uprising in Pakistan? And like they actually name drop a real ass country and they also they also mention um Azerbaijanistan, which you know is like supposed to be Azerbaijan but they purposely say it wrong and they also talk about another uprising over there and he's like oh yeah Dr. Robotnik fucking quelled it he's our our go-to guy so he's establishing early on that this guy has done war crimes and probably some illegal shit overseas and they're like he's gonna find out what happened in Green Hills Washington and so that's kind of where the movie gets going and before I continue, there's something to be noted about the tone of this movie. This thing has big 90s energy right out of the gate. From kind of the sweet nostalgia of the small town, like I kind of got an airbud feel there's once you watch it you'll kind of know what i'm talking about but also the very spastic finger up the nose um like bart simpson-esque humor that kind of goes out throughout the movie too is very like 90s and 2000s like i felt like if this was released when i was growing up it would have fit in perfectly there is some meme humor and the meme humor is extremely dated like oh my god like it's so dated I can't even blame the delays from the from from the animation issues, um, but it's honestly I think kids are gonna fucking love it, and I think that part that nostalgic sweetness that's in the tone of this movie I think was partially for the young parents who are gonna be seeing this movie on repeat if they have kids. Now one. One conflict for Sonic 2 is that he really likes this world despite his kind of shitty, miserable existence on it. I mean, he he says that, like, the next world that he has to go to if he gets found out is a safe world filled with, quote, gross, smelly mushrooms. And he shows a picture of it, and it's just like this world that's literally just you know like when you when you buy mushrooms from trader joe's and you put it in the fridge because you think you're going to use it right away and you leave it in there for like two weeks and they're all like uh, fucking gross and slimy like that's the whole world and he has to go there and i feel like there's a middle ground because there was there was other worlds he could go to uh, anyways i mean that's where he has to go there's a nice cute scene where sonic is watching through a window uh, at what james Morrison's character is watching and he saw a speed the movie with Keanu Reeves, and he quotes Speed throughout the movie, and he's like, "I love Keanu." That was a fun thing uh, for this GBGBite to see. So, anyways, James Marsden at one point finds one of Sonic's quills on the ground and is like, "Yo, what the fuck is this? It's glowing in blue. I'm gonna touch it, even though it just sparked with electricity, which I think is like another crazy thing. Like that could be radioactive or something. Like, I I kind of had this uh, upbringing where." a lot of, like, dangers of the world was kind of, like, cemented in my mind. My mom was always like, oh, you know, don't go walking while chewing peanuts. Like, you could choke to death. Um, Oh, don't pick that up. It could sting you, and your arm will have to get chopped off. So, like, I don't know if anyone else had that same experience, but if I saw a glowing quill on the ground, I would not touch it. I would drive the fuck away and go to the hospital just in case I got a weird dose of something. But anyways, enough about me. Dr. Robotnik... Rolls up to uh, the sheriff's James Marsden's house. <laughs> and uh, at this point, James Marsden has met Sonic. There was a, a weird standoff. He hears something in his shed. He thinks it's raccoons, and he's like, I'm gonna get a gun. I'm not gonna comment on that, but he grabs a gun and he goes into the shed, and then he sees Sonic, and Sonic's like, oh fuck! He screams, and James Marsden shoots him with a gun immediately. I'm not gonna comment on that either. And then Sonic, <laughs> this is a tranquilizer gun. I, sh- I, sh- uh, I should have said that at the beginning. It's a Trank gun. Sonic didn't die. The, mo- the movie didn't roll credits right there. I mean, he- Sonic was passed out, and so James Barson's like, "Oh fuck, I shot him. I'm gonna pull him into the house and wait until he recovers." Sonic is like, "Oh shit, you got, you, you took away my go fast. Um, I'm sleepy as shit. I can't fucking like run around. So uh, you gotta, you gotta protect me, dog." And he's like explaining things, and they they start kind of having a good rapport right away. Now, Dr. Robotnik shows up and is like, hey, hey, what? Uh, I know you got a fucking hedgehog in there. And then James Marsden's like, eat shit, Dr. Robotnik. We're friends now. And then um, a fight happens, and there's a lot of good stuff happening there. Oh, boy, this, uh, this summary is really dragging on, guys. Like, I've, without, the, without Jason Ryan here, like, it's hard for me to kind of just, like, focus. But then what happens after that is, is, a, is an unexpected road trip movie between James Marsden and Sonic. And now you could actually do this Sonic road trip. Like I tried to Google Sonic road trip and it's not really a thing, but I've actually done this road trip is where you go from uh, Seattle all the way down to San Francisco. And it's a, it's a nice it's a nice ass road trip. And it, I think they actually drove in those areas because you see those trees, you see the surroundings. And I'm like, yeah, that's the PNW. And honestly, I had a lot of fun just watching it. Like I tend to like road trip movies it's a very specific genre and it was a strange and brave choice to dedicate like 20 minutes to just a road trip comedy between two guys. They do there is a nice bar scene where Sonic is like, "I want to check things off my bucket list. I got to go to the shitty mushroom world soon. Let me go in that bar and like let's let's just kind of raise hell and and Sheriff James Marsden is like, "Hell yeah, let's fucking do that." So it's it's just it's that kind of movie. So right out of the gate with this movie as well, um, in order to enjoy this, I think you have to accept the camp uh, in order to really get into this. Um, They make it very obvious with the dialogue and the style that this is not supposed to be taken seriously. This is kind of like in the same vein as like Lego movie or something like this is a movie where it's just like you're going to have just kind of turn your brain off. You're going to have a fun time. Um, Don't really worry about it. If you can't accept that or you can't just see past some of the flaws like it's asking you to I don't think you're going to have a good time um, to kind of get into I mean this is kind of where we're we're getting into a lot of the product placement there is a lot of like random Olive Garden shout outs I think a character literally says when you're there your family Sonic mentions having a Fitbit there's a couple moments where they look up houses in Zillow <laughs> the, the, t- <laughs> the like Toyota that Sheriff James Marsden is like driving is like pristine it looks so good like i don't give a shit about trucks but it made me want to buy this truck um it's like it's like doing these power slides and the label is like prominently shown um there's also like puma shoes there's a scene with the giant rubber band ball which i think big rubber band ball also kind of shoehorned in there but they made a lot of money with product placements i hate when movies remind me of capitalism Um, especially like in the transformers movie, there's that famous scene where they literally rip a bud light in the middle of the movie, (laughs) things like that kind of rip me out, but I will admit in this movie, it weirdly worked. I think because you're supposed to not be as emotionally invested in the plot. I think it's because like, this is a wild ass ride. I don't know. I think the tongue in cheek shout outs, it didn't really bother me as much, um, I didn't talk too much about Jim Carrey's portrayal as Dr. Robotnik. I'm kind of like split on Jim Carrey as a person (laughs) because I kind of like attribute a lot of the anti-vax movement uh, to him in the nineties. He still hasn't walked that back, which I think really sucks because I want to like him as a person. Uh, But aside from that, like, just to talk about just his performance in this movie, it was so good. He is the perfect dude for something like this. He is, get, he is like, serving it up like crazy. I heard pretty much this entire role was, like, improv.ed They had some select lines for him, but everything else, he kind of added his own sauce. He's not, like, in a fat suit like what you think with Rob, Dr. Robotnik, but it still works. There's, like, a good three-minute lip-synced dance scene inside of his lab that i think was totally improvised as well and uh it was amazing (laughs) i was actually in awe he totally stole the scenes that he was in there's, like, a great exchange. Like, there was some lines that he dropped that actually legitimately gave me a non-ironic laugh. He was like—there <laughs> was, a, there was like, what this random scene where he was talking to James Marsden, and he was like, I was spitting formulas while you were spitting a formula. And then James Marsden's like, I was breastfed, actually. And he's like, nice. Way to rub that in my orphan face. And when that came out, like, I actually almost did a spit take. Like, that was— Just the delivery of some of these was was actually great. Like, I think it works as a a great comedy. But to get back to our boy Sonic and James Marsden, one thing that is kind of like a glaring plot hole in the movie is that Sonic needs to get to San Francisco. And I I guess I didn't explain this earlier, but uh, when James Marsden initially shot Sonic with a tranquilizer gun, Sonic dropped his bag of rings on the ground, which opened up a portal to San Francisco, and uh, he dropped his bag of rings on top of like the tall pyramid building in San Francisco, and the portal closed. So Sonic is like, yo, dude, I-, I need to get over there. Can you just fucking give me a ride to San Francisco? This is your fault. You shot me. And he's like, okay, fine. Uh, but like once Sonic heals from the tranquilizer, like it's clear that he could run— many times faster than a car that can go 60 miles an hour like this is a dude who can get to san francisco in seconds and kind of the main thing that he says is like oh i don't know this world i need someone to help me navigate it but like he could show him a map like you can literally just take like the i5 i'm pretty sure all the way down to san francisco (laughs) so i mean i think the only thing you can say in this plot is that like maybe sonic was saying that because he wanted a friend maybe he liked hanging out with james marston but man, that must have been excruciating for Sonic. Like I've, I've the thing is with Sonic is that he perceives the world as many times slower um, than we do. Like I think because of his speed, I think everything is like ten thousand times slower. So sitting in a car probably for him was probably like forty years. And I just, I, I don't know. It's, uh, is is life just like this fucking hellscape for him? Like just everything's going so much slower, and he's just constantly zipping around like. Is that why he's, like, kind of an insane person and adopted this devil-may-care nihilistic attitude? It's food for thought. So, to reiterate, the whole point of this movie is to road-trip Sonic down to San Francisco so he can get back uh, to his rings and go to the shitty mushroom world that he's kind of, uh, like, dreading. Um, And on the way, he's hoping to kind of make friends with James Marsden and and check off his bucket list of making making a friend. Um, before he has to go to the Mushroom World. I don't think he's going to die if he goes to the Mushroom World, but I think he's just like... When he, while he's around people, I think he wants to just enjoy his, his his time. One weird aspect of this movie is kind of like a lot of James Marsden's like comments, like as a police officer. Like one like I don't want to get into this too much because I know this is like a Sonic movie, and I, I know they're trying to be just like a chill, casual, like fun movie. But like, there's a lot of weird lines this dude is just throwing down. <laughs> like I I know you're supposed to like this character but I just feel like maybe the movie studios should have just like left out certain lines. Like there's a scene where he, where, um, where James Marston is literally like time to abuse the power interested in me. And there's a lot of comments about like drug dealers and criminals and shit. And I was just like, they kind of like yoinked me out of the movie a little bit. Like, I'm not asking for much, but I just, I just feel like certain lines in there where I was like, huh, like, are they, are they going for something here? Um, I don't know. It was just kind of a very weird vibe and I was, I was not looking for vibes, but it just, it just kind of kept creeping in on me. I don't know. Anyways, Sonic eats a lot of chili dogs and I heard in canon, Sonic fucking loves chili dogs. This is actually written in the Sega book that, uh, chili dogs are kind of like a source of, uh, of power and, and, and mental happiness for him. And I think this is true of, of most people in this country, um, including me. And finally, once they kind of get kind of closer to San Francisco, um, <laughs> there's this scene where Sonic is driving the car and like the car is like clearly beat up. And there's, there's probably been hours of him just smashing into things. And there's a line where she's like, why do we let Sonic drive? <laughs> which I thought was just, that that really got me. And I think that's kind of indicative of the humor of this movie, where it's just like, shut up, don't think about it. Isn't this fun? Um, Finally, they get to San Francisco, and this is where the showdown is. Now, Sonic also opens with something that's very 90s, which is kind of like the cold open into like an action scene. And then literally, I think there's almost like a record scratch where it's like, and the the thing freezes on Sonic's face, like outside of an explosion. And he's like, hey, I'm Sonic. You might be wondering how I got here. It was literally like that. And that's the San Francisco showdown. Um, In the beginning of the movie, they start with the showdown and they kind of do like a wee woo all the way back you know, to how we got there, but at this point, this is where this is where the wee woo happens. Sonic's like, "Okay, we're back at the scene. Let's see how the movie ends," and kind of just winks at the camera. And uh, basically, Doctor Robotnik shows up. They get to the giant uh, San Francisco building. Sonic gets his rings, but Doctor Robotnik's like, "Hey, I know. I know about your speed. I figured it all out with my big huge brain." You're fucking fast, and your friends aren't, so I'm going to blow up your friends unless you share your go-fast juice with me, okay? Maybe not, like, the best, best, like, uh, way to negotiate. Um, the other thing I should mention, too, is that James Marsden, like, his character, like, his driving motivation is that he wants to transfer to the San Francisco police force. Um, he's kind of saying, like, I'm sick of being a small-town cop. I want to be, like, a real cop, whatever that means, um, in the city, And uh, on his way down while transporting Sonic, like he's all over the news. Like the newscasters are like, oh, he's on a terrorist watch list. He's transporting a fugitive terrorist named Sonic. Like he, he's, <laughs> but he's just like, hey, Sonic, I need to drop you off so I can like go back to being a cop. And I'm like, dude, there's no fucking way you're going to like pass the background check. Like that was the whole plot of the movie where he was like, oh, my background check. Oh, I can't get, I don't want, I don't want to get kicked out of this new job. I'm getting in San Francisco. I'm like, dude, you're, you're on a fucking terrorist watch list. Like, what are you thinking? And then. Once Dr. Robotnik shows up, he shoots a ton of bullets and missiles. And what this kind of kicks off, kind of a cool showdown scene. Like there's a lot of bullet time, which I think is always really fun, kind of in the same vein as like X-Men Last Stand with Quicksilver. Sonic's rushing around dodging missiles and bullets. And then he's also using the rings to kind of transport him and Dr. Robotnik Um, kind of all over the world, they're kind of going through like the pyramids of Giza and shit and kind of hopping, hopping portals, kind of like Dr. Strange or something. And that was actually like a pretty fun uh, thing to do. I think if you're making a Sonic movie, you got to have scenes like this where Sonic is just rushing and it's chaotic and there's just a lot thrown at you. Um, I thought that was pretty fun. So of course the, uh, the final, the final part of the showdown takes place in green hills. Sonic is out of portals and he got blown up. Um, and Sonic is dead on the ground. And Dr. Robotnik is like, I, I killed him. The movie's over, guys. And, uh, you know, this inspirational music plays. And then James Marson comes up and he's like, his name was Sonic. This was his home. And he was my friend. And this inspirational music starts playing. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> just, I, I don't know. Like there's there's been there's such a long tradition of grandiose speeches when the main character dies and then the speech kind of brings the character back to life i just i know it's a kid's movie it's not made for me man but i just got like the most like the biggest cringe shivers up my body like it i kind of my body kind of gets energy from that and i got a real big spike when that happened uh, even more of a spike um then when sonic starts flossing over dr robotnik's uh lifeless body um but uh, there's a scene when, when Sonic dies, Dr. Robotnik is like, I don't mean to be indelicate, but we should put some ice on that body, which I thought was pretty fucking good. <laughs> um, but then Sonic comes back to life. He, be- he becomes like his uh, supersonic mode, I think, that happens in the video games where he's like electrically charged. There's another cop in the, uh, in the town who uh, shoots his gun unprovoked at Dr. Robotnik too, which I, I thought was kind of wild. Um, but then Sonic, he like, he throws a ring, and, okay, this is crazy. Like, he throws a ring and opens up the mushroom dimension and shoves Dr. Robotnik through and just de- destroys all his equipment, like, destroys his, like, machine. Um, So it's just basically Dr. Robotnik and his clothes on his body, shoves him through the mushroom dimension and closes it. And he's like, fuck you, Dr. Robotnik. And th- that, that was... Everyone cheers, and no one has any, like, ethical qualms of, of what just happened. Like, is that worse than death? Like, he banished him to a dimension. Like, this dimension is just mushrooms. Like, okay, presumably he'll have food. I think a lot of—some mushrooms are edible. I don't—I think a lot of them are not edible, so who knows, like, what's going to happen there. But that's really fucked up, like— and Dr. Robotnik presumably has no way to get back that they know of— and even like the police officers who are like law enforcement, they're they're just kind of like, yeah, that was that was tight, Sonic. Good job. <laughs> Everyone's like high fiving. Like nobody in that town had any fucking issue with this. Like that's just crazy. And then the government is like basically comes up to Sonic and James Morrison's character and was like, all right, are fucking bad, right? Like Doctor Robotic never existed, so. uh You know, here's some hush money, which was a $50 Olive Garden gift card. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, And and that was it. That's Dr. Robotnik. (laughs) And, like, they're living their life, like, presumably months later, and there's not even a thought. Like, if I banish someone to, like, the fucking mushroom zone, there was not, like, if I'm going to sleep at night, I'm going to be thinking about, like, is he alive? Like, is he eating mushrooms? Like, is he is he hiding under a mushroom? So Sonic is a psychopath, and uh, I think this kind of goes along with, uh, you know, his ideologies, is that, like, he doesn't give a fuck about other people, and uh, he only wants to keep his go-fast to himself, and he wants that so bad that he's willing to, uh, I don't know, uh, commit someone to, like, solitary confinement just to do that. So, But I think that's kind of, like, what's cool about Sonic. He's, like, he's kind of a psycho. Um, and then during... I want to say like during this fight too I, you get a really good look at Sonic kind of in fighting mode and uh, there's this like screenshot that I think kind of went viral for uh, the original Sonic design but it's like where he's looking at his watch and there's all those missiles around him and you get a clear view of his body and I'm I'm kind of like like I I don't want to I don't want to go here because this is this is a kids movie and this is Sonic but like the decision to not give him pants like instantly maybe think about him as a as a human like as if he was a human okay and so if he's a human and he has thoughts, he's sentient like where like I don't I don't want Sonic to have like you know, you know balls or anything. Like I don't need that in the movie. Just like maybe a throwaway line about like maybe his sex organs are internal or something. It was just it was very weird like I couldn't stop thinking about um like if Sonic it was asexual or just like this uh this being that does, well I, I you know what? Let's just let's scrap this. I'm just going to I'm just not going <laughs> to I just don't want <laughs> It was weird, man. Okay, so he's, he's it's supposed to be like a human and he's not wearing clothes, okay? And so it's like it's making me be like what the like it's he's supposed to be existing in our world and there's there's presumably other hedgehogs. Like do they reproduce just by budding or something or was he immaculately birthed from energy? Like then I could I could get behind that. Just just like a little detail about his biology. Like I studied biology. That's just why I think about these things just as a, as, as a purely clinical thing about Sonic. <laughs> okay, I, I don't want to discuss this anymore. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Um, so at the end of the movie doesn't really get resolved like there's no official explanation for what happened. sonic is still considered top secret james marsden presumably is still on the terrorist watch list i mean there was never a line that he like was taken off and uh, he decides to not go to san francisco anyways um so that was a little weird it's kind of resolved that sonic will stay in world and uh he'll get to settle down with uh with sheriff marsden and his wife in their house he has a really sick attic that's also like another crazy thing because like sonic is not just a Pet. He's like a person. Like, he's someone who needs stimulation and social interaction. So, that's kind of a wild thing to have him live with you. Like, I would have given him, like, his own shed, like, not his own room in your house. Like, that's just crazy. But, anyways, they set up a sequel at the end of this movie. Dr. Robotnik's in the mushroom world. Oh, thank God he survived. And he looks pretty rough, guys. He looks like how you would imagine someone would look if they were in a mushroom world for a really long time. So Dr. Robotnik's putting together some some machinery and he's like, oh, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to get back and you're going to go to the mushroom world. Like, and so there's going to be a sequel, guys. Like this movie made a buttload of money. Um, and, then, and then a certain other Sonic character comes out at the end of the credits and it's Mr. Prower himself, Mr. Miles Prower, a.k.a. Tails, Sonic's homie in chief, uh, uh, Tails, he's, okay, he's, he's kind of, like, Sonic's number two. He's in, like, all the games, all the shows. Tails is someone who's, like, a super genius. He drives a fucking plane, and he uses his two Tails like a helicopter. He's awesome, and, uh, he's like, I'm gonna find Sonic, and he, he helicopters away, and that made me pretty hyped to see. Tails looks great, too. They, he didn't, I wonder if there was, like, an original design for Tails that looked also really bad. <laughs> Uh, But he looked pretty good in the movie. I know he's in Sonic 2. And I also know Knuckles, who uh, Knuckles the Echidna, who's like one of my favorite Sonic characters ever, is also in there, um, which I'm super excited about. Like, honestly, after this movie, like, I might fucking see it. Uh, And I think this is the point where we usually get into our meters so uh sonic meter obviously pretty high like he he's in every scene um he gets a lot of lines he's a prominent feature i think i'm gonna have to I'm, I'm gonna have to give it a 10 on the sonic meter i think this was a faithful adaptation i think um to like the lore i think they kind of um they added their own plot elements that i think made sense in universe but yeah this is a definitely a sonic movie and it's for and for like my hogometer, like uh for how how hedgehog it was, um I'm going to give it a 6, I think, because it Sonic's not really like a hedgehog at all. Like if you kind of know what hedgehogs look like, he doesn't really look like one and hedgehogs can't do anything he does. However, it's in the name and he's supposed to be like kind of a I don't know, like an unrealistic hedgehog, like uh, it's kind of fucked up, right? Because like hedgehogs are held up to like this unrealistic standard in media because like everyone knows Sonic and when they actually buy a hedgehog, you realize that like it's nothing like Sonic. It's slow as fuck. It doesn't talk at all. Actually, hedgehogs, I've seen a lot of videos, they float in water too. Sonic is just like this dumbass who who drowns if he goes into water, but hedgehogs can float on their back uh, really good because they're fat as fuck. So that's another thing. Um, maybe maybe like talk to a vet before you like put a hedgehog and I, I don't do that like don't listen to me um, but that there are cool videos of hedgehogs floating in water um, anyways hedgehog meter six movie meter now I've been thinking about this a lot because Amber and I watched this together and we were kind of discussing like how we feel about this movie because there was a lot of cringe in this movie but it was like pretty dang fun and it's kind of what i expected going in like it was really enjoyable i think i was somewhat (laughs) invested in the plot uh the there was like a lot of movies there was pacing issues this movie is less than i think 90 minutes long um but i think it there was some drag points there was a, a lot of jokes that didn't land but there was so many jokes that i think it mostly landed i mean there was literally a joke like every second i felt and there was enough that landed that i think it started to work for me I think the target audience, which is you know little kids, like they're going to love this movie. I, I know growing up, like if I had this movie, I would have watched it every fucking day. I also enjoyed it was kind of like this visual representation of what having ADHD was like. Um, I know so, during some of like my hyper states, like I totally connected with the Sonic character. I think it was really enjoyable. I'm going to kind of try to rate this, I think, subjectively. I don't think you can objectively rate a movie like this and be fair. I think for me, I'm going to give it, I think, a six as well. Same as my hog meter. I think it was very enjoyable. There are glaring flaws in this movie, but man, like, who the fuck cares? This is a Sonic movie. Video game movies are few and far between. Most of them are pure trash. So the fact that this was even halfway decent, the fact that I smiled and laughed with the movie, sometimes not not at it, um, I think is a huge plus. So this is going to be a huge win. It's also, like, the first time I think I've seen a movie actually address negative backlash before it was released. Like, the studio was like, yo, we hear you guys about Sonic, and we're going to fix it. And they fixed it so good. The character design was amazing, honestly. Like, there was certain scenes where I was just like, wow, that looks so good. Really impressive. I, I, you know what? I'll I'll say see it, okay? You know, you, you're looking for, like, a, a good low-stakes time, and you just want to, like— I don't know, crack open a beer and sit back and watch a dumb movie like Sonic is there for you. It's on Paramount Plus if you have it. I mean, I don't know. I got Paramount Plus for Survivor and Star Trek, so I mean it's pretty pretty fucking cheap. Like they're not sponsoring this episode or anything, but I think it's it's maybe worth your worth your time. And who knows, maybe I'll I'll review sonic 2 sometime in the future if i ever have time for another uh (laughs) another bonus episode but thank you guys for sticking with me and listening um to my sonic review i think um as far as our summer break goes i think it's going to be coming to a close um all three of us have gone on our respective trips i didn't really give an update on the top of the hour but basically i (laughs) came back from spain with covid I was sick as shit, guys. Um, I ended up quarantining in Spain for, like, another 10 days. We canceled half our trip. I was just literally locked an Airbnb until I tested negative because I just, you know, I don't want to spread it on a plane or other people. Um, and that sucked, guys. I was going insane, <laughs> staying inside. Um, and then I got back to the U.S. Um, I've had long COVID as well, um, which has made it kind of difficult with me running out of breath. I've taken kind of... Um, A break from podcasting for a few weeks i'm feeling i think a little better um i was able to complete this episode with a couple of breaks here i'm gonna kind of try to edit it (laughs) into something semi cohesive like i don't know what this is gonna sound like as a whole but i am excited to kind of get back on the horse uh with my three boys i mean i'm i'm the third boy i guess with my two boys um if you haven't already check out the other bonus episodes we did Jason Ryan did a great interview episode where Jace interviewed Ryan about his book the Man Who the Sea Wouldn't Drown, which is also an amazing book. Check that shit out. I think you can get it on Kindle for like a dollar or two if you have a Kindle. Or just get the physical copy. Support our boy Ryan. He is an amazing writer. Like, you hear him talk on the show. He is like one of the most clearest talkers, I think, that I know. Like, he has such a, a precise way with language that I try to emulate. And I think it translates super well in writing. Um, so check out his book. Um, Also, Jace gives a really great interview. I I really wanted to just hear more of of those two. I think we'll maybe try to do more bonus episodes in the future, Um, but I am excited to hear our three-person dynamic. And, of course, check out Ryan and Julie's review episode two of Deep Blue Sea. I loved hearing uh, Julie on the podcast because, like, Ryan's always bringing up Julie. If you ever want to hear what Julie sounds like and what her her takes are, uh, check out that episode. We're going to have her on the show someday. Um, if if she's down, I'm gonna, we're gonna convince her. I'm gonna I'm gonna convince her. She did a great job. And then I don't know, maybe Jace's solo episode. Who knows? Maybe Jason Denali's solo episode. Who knows? But thank you guys for joining me uh, for this one. We're gonna be back pretty soon here with our Ella Enchanted. Not no, we we released our Ella Enchanted. We're gonna be back with Princess Diaries two. With our guest star Joe, he came back. Um, he was like, he was asking us to do Princess Diaries too, man. He was like, yo, I want, I want to do an Anne Hathaway episode, and uh, we got him on for this one, and it's a super fun episode. Uh, we we encourage you guys to tune in. Um, I'm still kind of editing that that one as well, and we're gonna finish out our Anne Hathaway season strong. So this one is pretty up to date. Like, I'm recording this on Saturday of the 16th, So, uh, but our other episodes were a couple weeks old. I'm trying to kind of get us up to date. Um, that way we can be kind of more reactive with you guys. Like, you guys are sending us DMs, giving us recommendations. Like, I would like to kind of have more more fan interaction. You know, I think that's a really fun thing to do. I want to shout some more people out. Um so thank you guys for for sticking sticking with us <laughs> during this summer break uh, apologies you guys um you know didn't have your your regular monday entertainment so <laughs> thank you guys uh for listening in uh with us this long um with that uh send us a DM, leave us a review, let us know what you think, man. Do you have you, have you fucking seen sonic I do not I d I don't I haven't talked to a lot of people who've seen this gosh darn movie. Um, so feel free to hit me up. Hit me up on my regular Instagram too if you've seen Sonic. Uh, anyways, that's that's the show, guys. Join us next week, hopefully with Princess Diaries 2. We'll be back on our regular schedule. And with that, as always, uh Zoopity Roop Zoupity Floopers. Zo- Thanks, guys.